When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. On today's episode, what's the schedule have in store for the ACC and Notre Dame? Welcome to the Solid Verbal. The Solid Verbal. Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! I've heard so many players say, well, I want to be happy. You want to be happy for a day? Eat a steak. It's that woo-woo! And now, Dan and Ty. Welcome back to the Solid Verbal Boys and Girls. My name is Ty Hildenbrandt. His name over there is always the illustrious, looking wonderful, looking spry, looking excited for this upcoming ACC football season. Dan Rubenstein, sir, how are you today? I am thrilled to be talking about the all-caps conference, Ty. Because I have a lot of all caps thoughts. Yeah. Is Pitt good? What's Louisville going to look like with Jack Plummer in this schedule? Like, I have Miami, all capitals, exclamation, question mark, exclamation, UNC. Yeah. So, for me, I don't think we're going specifically back to the heyday of everybody seven and five, six and six with some eight and four thrown in. But I am, I'm pretty jazzed up, if I can say the J word, Ty. Yeah. To yeah. talk about. ACC football and what I think we perceive to be, especially because of some teams, very specific schedules, I think some wild swings from last year record wise. And I would hope so. Yeah, I would. I would hope so. If they're doing it right, I I would hope doing it right. Then we should expect wild swings, perhaps in a number of different directions. But the, the schedule has me especially excited because there are some runs on here, like some random team might have Pitt, Virginia, Wake, Louisville. And I was like, that could be really tough. <laughs> or counterpoint, maybe not. <laughs> and so I am I am excited to sort of take some swings ourselves. And as as per usual, we're going with the our perceptions of teams in the late springtime in judging whether or not these schedules are difficult, tricky, rough, easy, simple. As I mentioned, I think with UCLA, I'd love to to nibble on their schedules ear. Yeah. It seems so wonderful. So I am, I don't know, again, J-Word, jazzed up here. Jazzed up for America's Championship Conference. We're going through all of the schedules in addition to Notre Dame, because Notre Dame is, you know, half pregnant with their ACC membership. Yeah. We're going to talk about Notre Dame as well here in a little bit. Thanks for downloading, for listening. 
If you haven't had a chance to go back and listen to the shows that we've done prior to this one, we did the SEC, we did the Big Ten, we did the Pac-12. Today is ACC. We've still got the Big 12 and the Group of Five yet to come. You could make sure you get all of our episodes by kick, by clicking, excuse me, subscribe or follow, whatever your podcasting app of choice allows you to hit. Yeah. Also, give us a star rating or review if your app allows you to do so. You can follow along on YouTube. We would appreciate you hitting subscribe over there as well. Helps the channel grow. And if you're really into what Dan and I do and want to further support it, especially now as we start to ratchet things up going into the pre-preseason, I guess that's where we're at now, you can go on out to verballers.com, V-E-R-B-A-L-L-E-R-S.com. We've got a preseason game that we're going to take the bubble wrap off of shortly. We've also got a pick em pool as we get closer to the season that we always have a lot of fun discussing and ruminating over in our weekly episodes. Verballers.com is where you can go to sign up. And last but certainly not least, solidrebel.com is the website. When you're there, give us your email. We'll send you an email every Thursday. Just five and a half points, as I like to say, to bring you up to speed on all things news in and around the world of college football. Dan, that's where we're at. Can you agree to right now? Can you commit to it's a college football term on verballers.com? At some point before the season, because oh we look out for our best and most committed subscribers on Verballers.com. Can you commit to posting Mama H's secret meatball recipe on the website? I could get access to it. I don't know if she would let me. We can find you might have to take that up with her personally. <laughs> can we get an adjoining audio file with her explaining the keys to a successful meatball? This is like family. This is an heirloom recipe. This is, is an heirloom. Re- this comes this, down from your, your grandmother. This, this is heirloom. Yeah. Okay. I don't, I'm uh, just saying, I want people on that site, Ty, because it's so good. Reballers.com. Dan, play the music. Let's do it. Let's get right in. America's Championship Conference, knee the Atlantic Coast Conference, whatever you want to call it. We've got 14 schedules to discuss. We've got Notre Dame's to discuss 15 teams in total in about the next 60 minutes or so. We need to get busy here if we want to make it through all of these, Dan. In general, your impressions of the ACC, I think you gave them a little bit at the top. Yeah. Um, Over the course of our show, again, we started this thing back in 2008. We have had a lot of fun at the ACC's expense. Namely, hey, has NC State played Wake yet? Or has (laughs) NC State played Virginia yet? It's sometimes very difficult to keep track of who's played whom, if only because there's been a lot of parody in that meaty middle. Sure. And more often than not, over the span of our show, there's been a lot of parody throughout the conference. We haven't always had Clemson or now Florida State or these teams bubbling to the surface. There's been a lot of parody throughout. This year, we have tiers. We have very defined tiers where we've got Clemson and Florida State, I think, at the very top, trailed a bit by teams like UNC and some others that we can discuss here. We've got a whole smattering of teams that are in that seven, six, five-win range, and then a couple that are at the bottom. I feel like those tiers were pretty obvious as we went through and looked at these schedules. But as you alluded at the very top of the thing here, like, it could very easily swing in a different direction altogether. We're just going based on win totals. We're going based on what we saw a year ago, but it wouldn't take much, just like a cool gust of wind 
to make this thing go completely on its ear and for us to have an entirely different perception of the ACC. Yeah, last year, I think I used the like the gust of wind thing with like, yeah, Duke was like a minute 45 away from winning 11 games last year. Um, I think it's quality in bulk, as you mentioned, which is why I'm now shifting, if I may, to the all Costco conference (laughs) because it's quality in bulk. Not a sponsor could be. I don't know if they sponsor podcasts. But that's especially when you look at these teams schedule like wait what they have NC State Clemson and Miami right there three in a row. Okay, I think it's the all Costco conference for me right now. It's quality in bulk. And I guess that might make Duke the dollar fifty hot dog and soda deal. Yeah, just like one year of Mike Elko and we're already winning a ton of games. Steal of the century. So I'm ready. Ty, where do you want to start? You tell me, man. You tell me you're the one who got the uh, all caps opinions about the ACC. What makes sense for you? All right. Uh. Let's start with Clemson. You want to start with I, Clemson. I, I still think I they're the headliner of the conference with despite, you know, big personalities and big improvements from from major programs. I, I say we start with Clemson. Clemson's over under is nine and a half per Vegas. Okay. Which I will be honest was a little bit lower than I was expecting for Clemson. I I think this is a pretty tough slate for Clemson. There's at least one tough game each month with a marquee opponent. On this schedule, you've got Florida State, you've got Notre Dame, and you've got UNC. All are at home, which is nice. There's also that South Carolina game to close out the season, the Palmetto Bowl. Sure. Um, that will be a tester. That will be a revenge spot for Clemson after losing that game 31-30 a year ago. There is also notably a big-time trap game on this schedule. If I could play the sound. Please. It's a trap. It's a trap. It's not necessarily a trappy schedule where there are a bunch of these sort of situational landmines that I'm concerned about. But the Syracuse game, like there's a history there of weirdness. And in week five, Clemson going on the road to the JMA whatever dome now, whatever we're calling this thing, a week after the Florida State game to me is menacing. That's a menacing spot that we should pay more attention to. Beyond that, though, your thoughts on this. Do you agree with me that it's kind of a tricky slate for Clemson? Yes, no, maybe so? Yeah, I mean, it's it's the heavy undercarriage. The back half is especially dangerous. I mean, at Duke to open things up, and we saw last year Clemson slow start against, I think, Georgia Tech. They eventually distanced themselves a little bit, but it was always felt a little bit closer. Um, and that's week one, and you know, DJU obviously didn't turn out to be the long-term answer at quarterback. But in terms of this schedule... I think it's nicely buffered at the top. It's Charleston Southern and FAU. Tom Herman's FAU tie. There it is. Um, before Florida State, and that game's at home. I, while I, I can uh, sympathize, empathize, whatever, with your thought that Syracuse on the road in the dome is tricky and dangerous. I'm not fully there. I, okay. I think Clemson will be ready just because of what the schedule, the complexion of the schedule leading up there. Um, that back half, though, quality and bulk at Miami, at NC State, Notre Dame right out of the bye in that fettuccine Alfredo better carbo load uh, during the bye week spot. And then finishing with North and South Carolina, South Carolina on the road. Um, if Clemson is going to be a playoff team this year, which I think is always their, their site in their sights every year. Now that's the type of program that they are. They will absolutely in the back half of that schedule, if all of these teams are approximately where we perceive them to be, plus or minus whatever, they'll earn it. They will absolutely yeah. earn it because of the back half of this schedule. Quality and bulk, Clemson, absolutely the headliner here. here. The question that I was asking as I w- as I went through this thing, 
we know that Clemson's defense is going to be elite this season. Sure. At least on paper, it looks like it's going to be one of the better defenses in the country. So it's not so much a question of how many offenses scare me. It's how many opposing defenses scare me. Because if there's going to be a question about Clemson this year, I think it's going to be on the offensive side with Cade Klubnick and how do they adjust now to the new Garrett Riley system? Do they air it out more? Is it quicker? What does that look like? How many defenses on this thing genuinely scare you? I think you know, Florida State should have a pretty good defense. Notre Dame should have a pretty good defense. Miami on the road, I I would expect that Miami should have a pretty decent defense, maybe South Carolina. But there's not a whole, certainly not North Carolina. There's not a whole lot of quality and bulk with respect to defense right. on the schedule for Clemson, which I think bodes pretty well for them. And especially for that over nine and a half points or nine and a half wins, excuse me. I would feel really, really good about going over nine and a half Clemson. I want more time to look into things and we will do an official over under pick show but just at first glance here, excuse me, glance. Yeah. Um, I feel good about them hitting 10. Can I can I bring up some other point just and and sort of jump on your defensive point? Yeah. Uh Riley Leonard, Jordan Travis, Garrett Schrader, hopefully a healthy TVD, Brennan Armstrong, Sam Hartman, Drake May, Spencer Rattler. When we were talking about some other conferences, we said who, how many of these teams are set at quarterback, feel good at quarterback, know what they have in a quarterback? That was the that was the SEC. <laughs> that was the SEC, specifically. Yeah. And look, there, there's a lot of upside to those quarterbacks that we're not positive about in the SEC in this moment. But we're talking about seniors. We're talking about potential high-level draft picks. We're talking about guys who have put up a ton of huge numbers, perhaps at other places. And again, a lot of upside with these guys as well if things work out at these places. These are... Recently winning programs with recently winning quarterbacks with recent dangerous results. And so Clemson, I think, is in a great spot to succeed. But once again, they're going to see a lot of guys who have thrown a lot of incredible passes. Let's go right on over to Florida State. Yeah. Florida State's over under is 10. Okay. Florida State to me is the most interesting team, certainly the most interesting schedule. In the ACC, and I've got a couple reasons for that. First and foremost, we have discussed at length, we will continue to do so, about the week one game, the banger game in Orlando, LSU. Sure. Kudos to both schools for scheduling it out. It has worked. Last season, obviously a one-point win for Florida State. This season, who knows what the future holds for this series, but this, this will be a matchup very early on of two teams that I think think they can contend for their conferences for a playoff spot, maybe more. So I'm excited about that game. Everybody should be excited about that game. The other reason that I'm excited about the schedule and interested in it is because, you know, the joke about knowing what a team is by December on this show, we're going to know what Florida state is by October because they play in the first couple weeks of the season, LSU week one, Southern Miss and Boston college before they get to Clemson on the road in week four. That will be a very big deal. That is the marquee game, I think, on this ACC slate. We will know who gets ACC bragging rights right away. Sure. Right away. By the time we get to October, we will know what Florida State's made of. But actually, for me, the devil is in the details of the schedule. The rest of the thing gets way easier for Florida State after their buy in week five. And that's actually why I think I find it interesting, because... The Florida State story now, for the better part of a decade, has been less about the games against Florida or Miami or even Clemson. 
Right. It's been more about those games against Wake Forest or Louisville or even Jacksonville friggin' state. These are the teams that Florida State should be, I've got quotes and should be better than. And the Knolls haven't been consistently better than those schools. Again, over the last decade or so. The Knolls right. are going to have a run against teams like that. And how they navigate that second stretch of their schedule here, I think is going to tell us a lot about how this team has matured under Mike Norvell. There are landmines. They're at Pitt. They're home against Miami. They're at Florida. Maybe even a conversation at some point about the Syracuse and Duke games. But after that buy in week five and that initial stretch where I think we learn about the a lot about the Knowles, it's home against Virginia Tech, home against Syracuse, home against Duke, at Wake, at Pitt, home against Miami, home against Northern Alabama. They close things off on the road at Florida. That is a decidedly easier stretch. And if this team has blossomed the way apparently Vegas is expecting, it's blossomed with a 10 over under, um, they are counting those as wins. And sure. I'm not sure we're there yet with Florida State. I, I'm very high on the Knowles, and I expect them to be solid the whole year through. We have seen this kind of building very slowly in the Mike Norvell era. But that, for me, will be the tell as to whether or not Florida State is there. They could lose to both Florida State and LSU, and I don't think that would necessarily Florida be— Florida and LSU, yeah. Yeah, that would necessarily—Clemson and LSU, excuse me. I don't or think that, yeah. that would be an indictment on where this team is at, because those are good teams. But if they go the rest of the way and they drop one to, say, Pitt on the road, Miami at home, Duke at home, that tells me that Florida State still has work to do. Of course. Yeah, I think that's all reasonable. I I think that stretch, maybe not Virginia Tech that you mentioned, Syracuse, Duke, and then on the road against Wake and Pitt with Miami at the end of it before the buffer in Florida. I think that is the quality and bulk stretch that yeah. we're not positive that those teams will roll over for Florida State or won't give Florida State much trouble. Florida State's more talented, should win. You know, that the twosome, we'll see what, I think it's what, Mitch Griffiths? Something yeah, like that? Mitch I Griffiths. forget. Yeah. This guy named Mitch is starting at Wake, I think, at quarterback. Yeah, Mitch Griffiths, yep. But that's been pretty plug-and-play offensively at Wake, and they've given a lot of teams trouble. They've beaten a lot of teams these past few years. Um, we'll see with Phil Dracovic and Pitt, whatever, but it's, you know, it's a road game against, again, what we perceive to be a quality team, that, yes, I, I think in most universal simulations, most universe simulations, Florida State has a, a, a good time in that stretch. But I think there's quality in bulk right there. And that's that's what concerns me. And obviously, the headlining matchups are Clemson and LSU early on. I think they need to split that. I think it's I think splitting that is almost and I understand both of them are not in Doak. Uh, one's on Orlando, right? LSU's in Orlando. Yep. Um, have have to split. If I, I don't think it's when you look at running through that that five games, that tells us a lot about Florida State taking the next up. I think that's right. But Florida State doesn't measure themselves against those programs. Programs. It's it's LSU and Clemson. Yeah. They have to split. I think that's the determining factor. And um, but that's we'll why say. it's interesting. That's why this is interesting because there's there's yeah. almost two ways to measure. You've got early on that measuring stick against the teams that we think are going to be elite this year in LSU and, and Clemson on the sure. road, no less. But then as you get deeper into this thing, into the months of October and November, there are a lot of games that you look at from afar and you say, oh, they could easily try to sleepwalk their way through these if they're not sure. focused, if they're not up to speed. 
And um, I don't think they will. I, I like Florida State a lot. Yeah. But you can see it. You can see it on this schedule where it could be tougher than meets the eye. Yeah. I just, Look, I, again, I'm going to say quality and bulk for those teams. I just think it's a given. No. You have to beat those teams. That is understood. That is verboten. That you have to beat all of those teams if you are going to be playoff-ish moving forward. It's the, the measuring stick games are just always going to be the best of the best, similarly talented teams in LSU and Clemson. So have to split very least. Where do you want to go next? Who else is interesting to you? I mean, there's a ton of interesting teams to me here. I guess let's go Miami. Let's go Miami, Miami. just because it feels like the pressure cooker is a little bit tight right yeah. now. The lid is tight on Miami for a big bounce back year. Miami Hurricanes, Dan, over yeah. under seven and a half. Interestingly, they open with Miami, Ohio. I love that. Love that. Battle like for a Miami. sister city. Like how I, I, I'm sure wherever wherever it is that you live with your secret house. Yeah. I'm sure you've got a, a secret city and buried in Belgium. It's like Stegersburg, like Austria or someplace. Yeah. 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 I like that this sister matchup is happening. Miami plays Miami, Ohio week one. After that, it's Texas A&M at home right out of the shoot. A pretty big game. Followed by Bethune Cookman at home at Temple and then a bye. Yes. So let's be honest. The month of September is about Texas A&M. Beyond that, though, once they get into their ACC slate, home against Georgia Tech at North Carolina, home back-to-back weeks, Clemson and Virginia, away back-to-back weeks, NC State and Florida State, back home against Louisville, close out on a Friday night at Boston College. That's a tough slate there to close things out. I think NC State, Florida State on the road, then coming back home against Louisville, That'll be a bit of a tester for them. What, what I found interesting about this outside of the Miami matchup, the Sister City game, was over under seven and a half. If you go through and pick out the most likely losses, you're only going to get the three or four. There aren't a whole lot of obvious, obviously challenging games on here for Miami. But I think then you step through this thing and you zoom out and you realize that once Miami does get to that conference schedule, there's no way they're only losing the obvious ones. Not with the state of where this program's at right now. They could take a quantum leap forward. They've done some work on offense. They've done some work on defense. I think Mario Cristobal is is still pretty good at assembling talent and getting guys in the right spots. But um, there is a question for me as to, again, much like with the Florida State thing, how have they matured in this offseason in such a way that they can handle those games that that should be wins without fumbling it away, without doing something stupid and taking a dumb loss along the way. That for me will be the question for Miami. Not so much the Texas A&M game, but it is right. games against NC State on the road, Louisville at home, North Carolina on the road. How does Miami do in those games? That to me is what I find interesting. I don't hate hate this schedule. I don't know what that number is for everybody to believe in Mario Cristobal has has righted the ship whether it's seven eight nine wins I don't know I still think it's it's incremental improvement and you know the whole thing what progress isn't linear that sometimes it'll look like last year's Miami then the next week it looks like a whole new version of the Canes I don't hate the schedule look getting Texas A&M with a new offensive coordinator a new full-time starter at quarterback um new faces in old faces out whatever a lot of change in college station getting them week two in Miami, in early September, it's going to be a little bit stanky, Ty. Nothing no. that AM's not used to, but it's a you know, it's a different kind of stank there. Um, I I like that. I like the early part of their schedule. They've got the weird two-by-two two thing with 
you know, bundling Drake May and Clemson and then Virginia yeah. and then two road games against NC State and Florida State. And also situationally, it's not terrible. Um, they have look, Clemson has the bye week before Miami. That's not ideal. But otherwise, NC State has uh, Clemson right before Miami. Correct. Mm hmm. Clemson right before Miami. That's not the worst thing ever. And Florida State is at Wake and at Pitt right before Miami. I don't know if that's meaningful or not, but it's just different. And I don't hate the situation. Now, Virginia might uh, once again have a really good defense like they were able to do last year and bounce back on that side of the ball. And that's sort of like the thin layer of the sandwich between the slices of Texas toast. Um, that is that two by two. You know what I'm saying, Ty? That's not bad. That's not a bad visual. That was all right. That was all right. The NC State, Florida State, UNC, Clemson, Texas toast. Um, I still am not terribly worried about this schedule. Like even on the road. I don't think NC State is a complete team. I don't no. think Boston College is a complete team. Louisville starting probably Jack Plummer, I mm -hmm. think, at quarterback. Yes. I think, right? Yeah. Re rejoining forces <laughs> with, uh, with Jeff Brom. Um, I, getting Georgia Tech out of the bye, I don't hate having what should be a winnable game out of a bye, which should be a pretty lackluster defense after that. They're going to have to you know, really outscore. That could be a shootout against North Carolina. But... I don't hate this schedule. I don't I hate it either. I don't hate it I either. I think it's it's a decent enough runway to get back to a bowl, get yep. back to promise. If you're a Miami fan, if you're a recruit considering Miami, seeing that growth, seeing that progress, I think there is a runway for that this year, especially if the universe evens out health-wise on offense and the guys who were playmakers on defense last year or even rotational playmakers on both sides of the ball get a bigger role. I think it's fine. I think it's totally fine. They also, who do they miss? They miss Notre Dame. Yes. Yep. 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 Uh, I think they miss Pitt. That could be meaningful. No. I think. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's fine. Once I again, mean, that's my headline. Here's the thing. There is a world in which catching Texas A&M early is beneficial. Sure. And the game's at home and they win. There's a world in which Miami goes to North Carolina with a good defense and is able to contain Drake. I don't know how likely that is, but UNC right. still will not play defense this year. It's just not what they do. There's a world in which week eight, Miami's undefeated at home against Clemson. I don't think that's far-fetched. I, th I think that's entirely doable. I don't know sure. if it's likely, but if I said there's a 20, a 30% chance of that happening, I, I don't think that's too tough a pill to swallow. So we will find out a lot about Miami. In the first six weeks of this thing, we'll find of out course. exactly what they are and how they are set up for that remaining stretch of, as you said, the bundles, Clemson, mm -hmm. Virginia at home, UNC or NC State, excuse me, Florida State on the road. We'll find out. They, but I feel I feel OK seem, about this. They seem deeper on the line on offense. There's promise on the defensive line. Youth wise, they brought in, I think, two of the best tackles uh, uh, from the high school ranks and then fortified it even more from the portal. Like, I just think they're better built to win dumb games instead of losing dumb games. Should we jump into Notre Dame here? It'd be a perfect spot. You mentioned, you mentioned Notre Dame not being on the Miami schedule. Notre Dame's over under is eight and a half this year. Okay. It's kind of, kind of interesting to me. Um, I have thoughts as you might expect. Think out loud. Be, be our Ed Sheeran tie. A, a couple thoughts. Um, this is a playoff caliber schedule. It is grown in a lab almost to have pop without being overwhelming. Okay. It's a masterful 
almost opus from Jack Swarbrick. They should hang this in the Louvre. It's perfect. I love it. Here's what makes it interesting. Even if you're not a Notre Dame fan, there are three elite opponents on this thing in the form of Ohio State, USC, and Clemson. All three from different conferences. Only Clemson is on the road. They're also spaced out very well. Buffer zone. Good buffers. No murderer's row, not even a wounder's row here. Mm -hmm. So the way that this shakes out, you've got Ohio State end of September. You've got USC mid-October and then Clemson on the road early November. Good buffers. Buffer zone. Again, in between those big games, there are a bunch of power five bowl teams that we should talk about. In total, eight power five opponents on the slate. Based strictly on the over-unders, Vegas has seven of them in a bowl game and then another one knocking on the door. There could be more depending on how you feel about Navy and Central Michigan, but that seems like that's quality in bulk. In Ireland, right? Navy, they're playing in... Week zero. Yeah, they are. There are definitely some trappy spots here that could get them. I'm looking at Duke after Mm. the Ohio State game. I'm looking at Louisville before USC. I'm looking especially at Pitt after a bye and before Clemson. Notre Dame is not immune to these trap spots. In fact, let's play it. It's a trap. It's a trap. They've got some traps that they got to navigate here. But I really like the way this sets up. It's there for them. It's all there for them. The over-under is basically saying Vegas expects Notre Dame's going to lose to Ohio State, USC, and Clemson. And provided they win the other games, they will hit that over. That's exactly what they're saying with this eight and a half over under. I think it's reasonable. Um, I think they can win one, if not more of those games against USC, Ohio State, and Clemson. I'm not going to take that to the bank. I just feel like the over under is appropriately set here. So I like the way that Notre Dame schedule is set up. I think it is there for them if they have aspirations to go a little bit um, a little bit higher with this thing than they did a year ago. I'm not sure entirely how I feel about the team because there's a fair amount of new that we'll discuss when we get to previews. But in terms of the schedule, you could not ask for more if you're Notre Dame. You've got enough ammo here to be part of the national conversation. You've got it spaced out in a really, really responsible way. And more importantly, from the Notre Dame fans perspective, it is very difficult, albeit impossible, for any of the naysayers out there to come away saying Notre Dame hasn't played anybody because this thing is chock full of good opponents and bowl opponents. So ACC-wise, it's NC State, Duke, Louisville, Pitt, Clemson, Wake. Correct. How many? Is that six teams? NC State, Duke, Louisville, Pitt, Pitt, Clemson, Wake Wake Forest. That's six. Six. Okay. That's pretty good. Um, I just had a surge of energy, a voltage running through me, noticing that Notre Dame, Ohio State is the same weekend as Florida State uh, Clemson. Florida State Clemson. Also, low key, uh, Pitt UNC is always super fun. Yeah. That's a nice ACC ish weekend because obviously Notre Dame and Ohio State don't uh, fill that role. But I just, you know, when you start sorting things out schedule wise and notice that, that's very exciting. Um, yeah, Notre Dame's in a pretty good spot and not getting Florida State this year. That's nice. Uh, we just mentioned not having Miami. We'll see what that if that has any meaning at all. But no, it, it's a good schedule. It's a tough road schedule. And I don't remember the home road splits last year for Notre Dame and how the Irish were on the road. But NC State, 
Duke in that very specific spot after Ohio State, followed by Louisville with two in a row, and I'm not terribly worried about Louisville right now, but Clemson on the road, sandwich, they have two buys in there. That's when they got them because they're playing week zero. Look, at Stanford's not what is is whatever. That's not going to be terribly difficult, but I don't know. That run of games has its own different degrees of danger. Mm, interesting. Interesting. Yeah, so, I mean, there are, like I said, there are landmines here. There are definitely yeah. landmines here that I think we, we'd be foolish to not look at and say, okay, that one could be tricky. This one could be tricky. Right. Um, you know, in terms of home road splits, though, I still feel better about this year than okay. I did a year ago when they were yeah. at Ohio State to open up the season. At they SC. Had, they had, yeah, they were at SC. They had to go to UNC. That was before we knew what we had out of Drake May, but that was still a very, very close game. Even yeah. had to go to, to Syracuse. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I just feel better about it this year. Neutral site game in Vegas against BYU. That was sort of close for a while. Right. So I, I feel okay about the schedule. I think it's appropriately difficult. And as I said, grown in a lab to be playoff worthy without being overwhelming. What's the opposite of a sandwich? If there are two buys between Pitt and Clemson, Clemson on the road. Is it a patty? Well, is it like the double down? Is like oh. the KFC double down where you have like. But that's still on a sandwich, isn't it? No, that right. is the so, sandwich. So this is like an Atkins situation where you're yeah. just ordering the meat. <laughs> There's no buns. <laughs> yeah. So they've just got an eggs Atkins and bacon. stretch. It's an eggs and bacon type of schedule for no Right. Day. They've got a bacon, egg and cheese or I guess just yeah, eggs and bacon with with no English muffin, with no nothing. Okay. The Atkins schedule. They've got an Atkins schedule. They've got that low this. carb schedule. Um, I love this. Can we go to my favorite schedule? Oh, yeah. Just because it's bonkers. And I guess it's gumpy in its own way. Can we talk about the Duke Blue Devils oh, and do man. it not last as oh, my we God. probably traditionally did? Can I? It, why don't you go first? I have a personal story that I want to share about this Duke schedule, what it reminded me of. But Duke's over under six and a half. Um, why don't you give me your thoughts first? Because I have many. It's the most solid verbal first half schedule, or I guess pre-buy schedule, that they could possibly construct. We come up with the term Clemsoning way back when. Clemson opens it. My dad went to Lafayette. Lafayette week two. Northwestern is seven minutes away from me. It's very close to where I am right now. Most of my early college basketball memories are tied to either Duke or UConn basketball. And Jim Calhoun, not a dime. And Coach K... And that game is at UConn, UConn yep. bowl team. So also I guess, yeah. sexier than Etzel, a big part of our early formative years here on the verbal. Of course. Um, we, we, what do you know about Jordan Todman and Joe Moorhead coming together? I, I love for it. Football. I love it. Um, yeah. So shout out whatever Khalid Alamine and Cherokee parks um, and then Notre Dame. And yep. so it's Clemson and Notre Dame. If we're going to talk about the actual games, both in Durham. Yes, correct. And that's an opener for Clemson. And it's post-Ohio State for Notre Dame. Yep. So Duke is finding themselves in a bit of a gumpy situation on the onset. And then if there's nothing else that described Forrest Gump, other than his unique personality. I must have drank me about 15 Dr. Peppers. He's a traveler. Yeah. He's all over the place. Yep. He's at the White House. He's running across the country. He's in Alabama. He's serving overseas in Vietnam. Four out of five games <laughs> on the road post fettuccine carbo load during the bye week, which begins with NC State, which should be quality in bulk, beginning of at Florida State, at Louisville, Wake on Thursday, at North Carolina, at Virginia, who, again, should have a decent enough defense, if nothing else, and then Pitt. And so this is just a run of 
if Duke is a bowl team, if they're a seven-win team, if they're an eight-win team, if Riley Leonard takes the next step, if Mike Elko has this defense taking the next step, holy hell, (laughs) will they be an amazing TV show this year? It's the quietest. It's a quiet place, Ty. It's all coming together. Duke football schedule is so fascinating. Uh, I, well, I wanted to play this. I ate more fettuccine Alfredo and drank <laughs> less water than I have in my entire life. It's my favorite. If it's my, it's one of my favorites too. If we are talking about carb loading, yeah, for the schedule ahead, Duke should start carb loading on July fourth. Just start yeah. early. Get it in now. This schedule is murder, but very interesting. Very. In- yeah. The story that I wanted to share. This is what this reminded me of. Mm-hmm. When I was in, I guess it'd be my late 20s, living in the apartment when all my friends, all all their friends were also living in apartments before everybody was married off and we had fewer responsibilities. We obviously had the monster online NCAA dynasty. Yep. We would play and we, you know, we would arrange games at 9 p.m. or 1030 p.m., whatever, whenever it made sense. And there was one instance in particular where a guy in the league who typically did not play well at all had a banger of a season and found himself in the national championship. He didn't play anybody, but he found himself in the national championship. And I think he lost, but whatever. It was kind of like a big moment for this guy that he finally reached the mountaintop in a sense. And then the next season, when it came time to schedule out his games, we gave up all the hard teams all on the road. Prove yourself again. And after he complained about our scheduling committee's integrity, of course, there was neither a committee nor any integrity here. But after he complained, the response that he got from the people running the league, a different friend, was, quote, welcome to the dynasty. Welcome to the dynasty. In as dismissive a tone as you could possibly imagine, welcome to the dynasty. I'd like to dust off that line for the Duke Blue Devils this year. Welcome (laughs) Welcome to the dynasty, guys. You had a good run last year. You were a cute story with a new coach and a fun quarterback. Cute story. But welcome. Welcome to America's Championship Conference now, Dan. Welcome to yeah. ACC football. After week six, when you go on by, suddenly you got to play all these games on the road. We're really going to find out what they're made of. I'm excited. It's, it should be a good TV show, as you said, but yeah. it will be a tester for sure. last year against the spread, plus 15 turnover margin. Mm. So that's going to come back down to earth. That's just not a thing, a sustainable metric. Again, that said, Duke may well be the one who knocks, right? Duke might be in a better position right now to win these games. Then, you know, there's now continuity where a lot of these teams don't have continuity. I don't have their, the roster turnover specifics at the tips of my fingers, but man, I'm going to watch, I'll say right now, if they show anywhere near the same quality that they showed last year, I'm going to watch more Duke football than I probably ever have in my entire life this fall. I think that's fine. By the way, Duke, in case you're wondering, in terms of returning production, top 10 in the nation on offense, not Mm -hmm. doing as well on the defensive side of the ball, but um, overall, 33rd in the country. And kind of running away with the, the smart kid school title right now. Yeah. With where Northwestern and Stanford and Cal and Vanderbilt are, I mean, we'll see. We'll get we'll get to Vanderbilt preview time. They they showed some life last year, but good on, good on Duke. I love this. I love that we called out Duke. Should we talk about Wake Forest while we're talking about tough schedules, interesting yeah. schedules? 
Can we add Maryland to this preview just for <laughs> S's and G's? Just because we want to? Yeah, I know we already did them with the Big Ten, but I don't know. It just feels right. Wake Forest over under five and a half. Schedule yeah. is really hard. <laughs> it is The road games in particular are just brutal. Even the home games could be losses. Five and a half to me puts a lot of trust in the Dave Clawson experience post Sam Hartman. You mentioned Mitch Griffiths before. Are you a Griffiths believer, Dan? I don't know if I am. He threw two passes last year. Yeah. All right. More of a Chandler Morris type, Dan. Okay. Got that kind of build to him. Okay. Road games at ODU, Clemson, Virginia Tech, Duke, Notre Dame, and Syracuse. That's not easy. That is not easy. Home games against Elon on Thursday, week one, Vandy, Georgia Tech, Pitt, Florida State, NC State. Yeah. So the home road splits aren't great. I don't know what to make of Wake Forest this season. My sense is that I would go under because there's a lot of new. However, Dave Clawson has been a pretty consistent coach. And as you said, the offense, the slow mesh elements of the way that they built this thing are very plug and play. So it is a question of, I think, how much do you believe in Dave Clawson? So Wake is the... The like thin layer of meat and the two by two sandwich, the Texas toast sandwich, Texas toast sandwich uh, for Duke. Yeah. So it's at Florida State, at Louisville, and then at UNC, at Virginia. Um, the first four seem fine. I mean, ODU, whatever you believe, the Monarchs just beat ACC team. So I guess Ricky Ronnie's got a nice situation going for him because that's at Old Dominion. Um, I want to say one of these teams is it Pitt? One of them has yeah. Pitt has Wake right before Notre Dame. So there's maybe a look-ahead spot there. This is not a great schedule. No. It's just It's not. hard. It's really hard to see them getting the six, in my view. They Maybe it's a letdown spot for it's NC State has Clemson and Miami right before they travel to Wake. So maybe situationally in the back half, I don't, I don't know. Notre Dame has a bye right before Wake, which is not ideal for the Deeks. At, uh, mm, uh, it's not, tough to find seven. It really is. It's tough to find seven. Yeah. You mentioned NC State a lot. Let's let's move to NC State. Please. NC State's over under a six and a half. Do you like NC State this season? I know we haven't no. done the preview and we have we have more work to do right. to form a, a more informed opinion. But I mean it's death taxes, eight and a half wins for Dave Torrin, right? Kinda uh, is. I'm just not I'm not enamored with him this season. I think it's possible that bringing over Brandon Armstrong was a really good move, but I am worried in looking at the rest of the team that he has built a better version of Virginia and not a better version of NC State, if that makes sense. Okay, so here's what I will say about NC State um, in the affirmative. Um, the road splits are awesome. Beautiful. Beautiful. They're absolutely beautiful. And it's at UConn, at Virginia, at Duke, at Wake, at Virginia Tech. Now, this, again, puts it to the test. Would you rather have your winnable games at home or on the road, right? It's going to be tougher anyway on the road, so a winnable game becomes less so away from home. But if we're talking about an NC State team that doesn't measure itself against, you know, bowl eligibility, it's kind of a a schedule I'm happy with if oh, Brandon yeah. Armstrong works out, if the defense continues apace. Um, I'm getting Notre Dame early, so maybe there's still little growing pains for uh, for Sam Hartman and new offense and new offensive coordinator. That could be the five interception game, man. It could also be the five interception game, of course. And then otherwise, it's kind of buffered for most of the way. Clemson and Miami back to back, but 
they're both Carter Finley, right? Yeah. I don't know. I I know you're not enamored, but if if January Ty came and said, "Here's the deal, Hildenbrandt, no. nine and three, of course." That's how you January would say, Ty talks. Yeah, you would say, "All right," or at least I would say, "Future Ty, I'm very much aligned. I see it." So, uh, again, haven't haven't gone deep into you know the transfer ins and outs or anything like that, but. In terms of what we've seen lately from NC State, in terms of what how the schedule just physically shapes up, good by me. The home road splits are beautiful. And yeah. having Notre Dame, Louisville, Clemson, Miami, and North Carolina at home is, I think, what you would want if you're an NC State fan. It it sets up about as well as you could as well as well as you could expect, given the opponents that are on this thing. There are four or five obvious wins. They'll need to steal one or two the right. rest of the way to get to a bowl game. And um, again, I'm not I'm not fully enamored with this team or where it's at. I'm not sure if I fully buy into whatever they're trying to build this season, just in the limited research that I've done. Mm-hmm. We have more work left to do. I, I preface that um, with my NC State comments, but six and a half over under to me feels like it's doable given the schedule. I, I like the way that this sets up for him. Yeah, offense needs to get a lot better. Uh, the defense last year was just solid. I mean, I think they were especially good against the run. They kind of, they just have the feel of, and I think the schedule lines up nicely for them to have the feel of like a little bit of a poor man's Utah. Yeah. Where they're not going to be electric on offense. Couldn't agree more. They've had solid contributors at quarterback, to say the least. They've had some star power on defense lately. And if you are a team with an obvious flaw, there's a good chance you're going to lose to NC State. And so they're just kind of that poor man's. The coach has been around now for an extended period of time. I, I see we talk about sister cities as sister programs right now, <laughs> NC State and Utah. For whatever it's worth, that's where my dumb brain goes. The Solid Verbal is sponsored by BetterHelp. Here's a question. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Would you go for a run? Would you take a nap? You know, a lot of us spend our lives wishing we had a little more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you in the first place. Therapy can help you figure that out and help you make it a priority so you can do more of it. Therapy can benefit everyone. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills, how to set boundaries, or just trying to find the best version of yourself. It's not just for folks who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, Give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com solid today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot solid. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate. Or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So, do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Let's stay in the great state of North Carolina and talk about North Carolina, UNC. Okay. Eight and a half over under... There is exactly one offense on the schedule that would scare me. And then you realize, Dan, that this is also a defense that can make any opposing offense scary. Yeah. 
so that kind of thought experiment goes goes out the window. This has been the cure for the common offense, North Carolina, for a couple of years running now. Yep. Um, open up the year in Charlotte, neutral cider against South Carolina, and what should be, I think, a, ch- a tough game. App State, Minnesota, follow at home. They close out the month of September at Pitt before a bye week. Going into October, it's Syracuse, Miami, and Virginia, all at home. They go to Georgia Tech and then come back home against the Campbell Fighting Camels. And to close out the season, it is home against Duke at Clemson at North Carolina State. So tough stretch to close this thing out. It does not feel like there are enough away games on this thing. And there's a there are large swaths of games that are at home, which I like. Those are all very winnable games. They can beat Syracuse at home. They can beat Miami and Virginia and Campbell and Duke and App State and Minnesota at home. So in that sense, it's set up pretty well to try and get to that nine win number and hit that over. The, the obvious questions are, what about the games that aren't at home? What about the South Carolina game, the Pitt game, Clemson, NC State, even Georgia Tech, depending on how you feel about the rambling wreck. So my sense here is that this is a very workable schedule for UNC. Drake May should have his way with a number of these defenses. I feel good about where UNC's at. The ultimate question is, are they going to play defense? And to what degree will that throttle how many wins they can get? You know how I I don't play fantasy football anymore, Ty. But you know how there was that line of thinking where you just stream in whichever defense is playing, you know, whatever like catastrophically bad offense right. is on is you know is the NFL who's ever playing Jacksonville year. right let's right. pick them up you're like that's the defense I'm trading for I'm picking up from waivers whatever if you were to play fantasy college football take whichever quarterback is playing North Carolina this yeah. team finished as arguably the worst pass rushing team in the country last year they just could not get to the quarterback and so you look at this it's like Kaliak Manis at Minnesota yeah <laughs> Kaliak Manis is gonna Ethan look like Athen? he's gonna look like Tom Brady in week three. Could be a Heisman candidate after the North Carolina <laughs> game. You laugh. Filled your Kovic at home against Sign UNC. For, and again, they lost a bunch of guys in their secondary as well to the port. Like it's not great right now at North Carolina in Chapel Hill defensively. So Drake May is gonna have to somehow like He's going to be exhausted. Like they need to pre-order oxygen right now for how much Drake May is going to have to do for this team to win games. This like is fifty-one forty-five. This is a rich man's Nick Foles situation from when yeah. he was back at at Arizona. Arizona, right? yeah. We could be playing the losing effort sound a couple times for Drake May this year because I think they will go as far as he can take them. I do not have faith in the, in the defense at all. With an average defense, forget average. With a disappointing defense. But not catastrophically bad defense. If you look at the schedule, like, oh, 10 and 0, 100% on the table before those final two, right? Yeah. I mean, if you put North Carolina's offense and Iowa's defense together, do they beat Georgia for the national championship? <laughs> not quite. But because um, I just, I don't know. I don't love North Carolina's offensive line, too. But uh, South Carolina, toss up. App State was a toss up last year. Minnesota, tough. I Not great, but tough, I tough. think. They should be tough, yeah. At Pitt, not easy. That game's always weird. Syracuse, Miami, Virginia at home. Again, if North Carolina has a disappointing defense, those games are fine. At Georgia Tech, fine. Campbell, Duke at home, fine. It's a rivalry game. You got to throw out those records. And then at Clemson, at NC State will be difficult. But to me, it's the schedule almost doesn't matter with North Carolina. Their post schedule is just like Iowa. Their post schedule. 
they are what what do we say ninth grade english yeah. uh, evaluation man versus, man versus self. man man versus self yeah that's all north carolina is right now and because they have such an advantage at quarterback against everybody on their schedule literally everybody has a clearly worse quarterback than north carolina does and that mac brown couldn't surround him or couldn't give him a defense to hold up its end of the bargain is one of the bigger recent failures in college football that I don't think we talk about enough. Yeah. So I, uh, yeah, it doesn't matter who North Carolina plays. It just doesn't. Pitts over under is six and a half. Um, good home slate. If you're a Pitt fan, you've got Cincy, you've got North Carolina, Louisville, Florida state, Boston college, I guess to, to close things out. Um, they also play the backyard brawl in Morgantown. They have yeah. to go to Blacksburg, have to go to Notre Dame. So that's not to say this is an easy slate by any stretch for the Pitt Panthers, but Pitt, if nothing more, has been a consistent program under Pat Narduzzi. Um, we're not necessarily talking about catastrophic offensive situations. The defense has certainly carried the water in the Narduzzi yeah. era. And we've seen flashes when when he has a quarterback or when he can construct an offense, that's when Pitt tends to pop off a little bit. But whether or not we'll get that this year with Phil Jerkovic remains to be seen. They've got a good schedule here to be, I think, taken very seriously. Um, this this strikes me as a kind of team that ends up going six and six, seven and five, and then gets to bowl season and just shreds somebody from the SEC or from the Big 12. It's that kind sure. of team. I think they could be very good and... Because it is a tough schedule, in my view, they come away from this thing looking looking worse than they actually are because of their record. As long as Pitt doesn't do anything terribly, and if they can find a thing to do super well, which they generally do, I think its schedule's fine. Really? I honestly think the schedule's fine. Look, West Virginia is a lot to ask for on the road in like this renewed rivalry situation. I'm just not full... like. Does the West Virginia passing attack scare you well, on any level right now? It just situationally, it's kind of weird to me the way the way this thing shakes out. Like, okay, they're, they're almost two stretches of Fettuccine Alfredo for Pitt. You've got Cincy week two, which but I don't know what to expect Scott out of Cincy. Satterfield, like I, I don't know. Satterfield not, Cincy could be a thing at home. Yeah, but Cincy still's got talent on that roster. Cincy at West Virginia, home against North Carolina, on the road at Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech. Still a tough place to play. Still plays defense. Mm-hmm. All right, those are that's an interesting four game stretch. And then after their bye week, they've got a stretch where they go to Wake, to Notre Dame, home against Florida State, neutral sider against Syracuse. I could see that being tricky for Pitt. Okay, so but if we're talking about the like a collective average of what Pitt has been, now I don't love that they're going to like the one off quarterback model uh, these past couple of years uh, because when they have had. Good quarterback play. It's guys that have developed internally and, you know, Nate Peterman and Kenny Pickett. But I don't, there's just like a lot of new faces on this schedule. We talked about with uh, Clemson, all of the experienced quarterbacks they're playing. Cincinnati knew, West Virginia knew, Virginia Tech will see, Louisville knew, Wake knew, Notre Dame knew. Um, BC is going to be, I guess, kind of new because it's, I mean, Emmett Moore had played last year, but it was Phil Dracovic there last year. And Duke obviously has a, a promising young quarterback that has experience. But I don't know. I think Pitt's in, a, in an adva- advantageous spot. And it's, you know, somehow Phil Dracovic. They have a 37-year-old redshirt sophomore, whatever. <laughs> it's been there since 1998 in college football, that is. Um, so I don't know. I this is I, I don't think it's as pronounced as 
UNC and Iowa as man versus self, but I don't know. Just do like three things relatively well and they'll win eight or nine games. Are you in on Pitt just as a program? I'm in on Pat Narduzzi in the same way you are because he has no filter. Um, who did he, he? I think he just went after Dion. Oh, uh, I didn't see if he went after Dion. I know he previously he has gone after the likes of Lincoln, Lincoln Riley. Riley. Yeah. Um, the only thing I'm not in on with Pitt is the ceiling is so clear that I I worry that he's a little bit too stubborn on offense sometimes, but. I don't know. It, Pat Narduzzi is not alone in being unable to consistently figure out quarterback. And so I, do, I think there is something about going back to, what is it, Frank Signetti? Yeah. Like, I don't love that. I'd like to, you know, take a little bit more chances with uh, an offensive coordinator hire. I, I, I'm kind of a believer in that coaches can be in and out of primes. And so that's what worries me. But I still think he has a really good eye for defensive talent. And I think he teaches... His coach is well. I think the coaches te- teach defense really well. And it's just that that final puzzle piece of offensive aggression and quarterback. So I, I'm I'm into Pitt. I, I think it's hard to maintain a level of quality over time. So what he's done is better than most. That's that's something. Virginia Tech is at four and a half, Dan. Um, okay. If we could talk a little bit about the Virginia Tech schedule. Toughest game is on the road week six against Florida State. They are not winning that game. But of the remaining 11, I'm going to list them out. I want you to count with me. Count with me which of them are definite losses, okay? Okay. Week one, Old Dominion. Lost last year, but... Definite loss. (laughs) That's just death taxes ODU's beating Virginia Tech. Yeah. All right, so you're counting that as a loss. No, I don't know. No, not a definite loss. Definite losses. All right, so we can't count that one. Yeah. Week two against Purdue at home. Not a definite loss. Week three at Rutgers. Not a definite loss. Week four at Marshall. Not a definite loss, though you might have some scar tissue that would indicate otherwise. I do have scar tissue, but I would agree. Not a definite okay. loss. Week five, home against Pitt. Uh, I, I would pencil that in as an almost definite loss, but not definite. All right. We'll count that as one. Week, uh, right. week six at Florida State. I'll count Pitt- that one. Pitt has that. It's a week after the West Virginia, North Carolina. That's right. So good situational spot for the Hokies. Week seven, home against Wake. Not a definite loss. Week eight's the bye. Can't count that one either. Week nine, Thursday nighter in Blacksburg, home against Syracuse. I guess not a definite loss. Week 10 at Louisville. Jack Plummer, Louisville. Louisville. It's at Louisville. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... I guess not a definite loss. Week 11 at Boston College. Uh, not a definite loss. Week 12, home against NC State. Uh, I, I'll go as far as saying definite Okay, loss. sure. We'll count that one. Finally, yeah. close things out. Let me take this music down here. The rivalry, yeah. Rivalry, Commonwealth Cup against Virginia on the road. Definite. definite loss. That's three. I got to three definite losses. They're over under is four and a half. Now, a lot's still got to go right in order for them to get to five. <laughs> you need a roster to win games. You need a yeah. roster to win games. I'm not enamored with the Grant Wells experience. Ricky, uh, I almost said Ricky Ronnie. I meant Brent Pry. Kind of one in the same, but um, wow. needs to. Such disrespect. Need, needs to get that roster firing, at least on the offensive side of things. Defense was okay last year. So there's a lot between now and then. But if you're looking at this thing the way I'm looking at it, A, it's beautiful. 
B, there aren't a whole lot of losses that I'm going to take to the bank at this stage in, you know, late May, early June. I think I'm in on the over for Virginia Tech at four and a half. Yeah, I mean, you know, my exercise of looking at quarterbacks, that's a, a pretty ideal situation for them. And can I make a crazy esoteric like 2003 reference? That's what I'm here for. The Virginia Tech schedule is my AFI schedule of the SC, of the <laughs> ACC because they do nothing but miss murder. Remember that song, <laughs> Miss Murder? Hey, Miss Murder. And I, they yeah. do nothing. No Notre Dame, yeah. no Clemson, no Miami, no North Carolina, I believe. So they miss the best quarterback in the conference. Like, it's Miss Murder. They're missing murder. And that's great. That's great for a year two bounce back hope. Now, what you've done in playing that music and saying definite loss, definite loss, definite loss, is you have filled Hokie fans with an inordinate amount of hope that is fully undeserved. I'm not that's, saying they're going nine and three. I know, but the way you're positioning this is like, hey, Virginia Tech might be a super bad six and six team. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's too much hope at this moment. We'll see. I don't know. You just you need a quarterback and you need an identity. And I still think they're searching. But no, I what what you did was not wrong, but <laughs> it was a little bit too fluffy. A little bit too fluffy. Miss Murder. Go AFI. Uh, Virginia, their rival, three and a half over under. Last year, we expected Virginia's offense to improve. The defense actually is what improved. The offense was still pretty bad. And this year, Brennan Armstrong is gone, which means it's either a Jay Wolfuck or a Tony Musket-led Virginia Cavaliers offense. If the Virginia Cavaliers do not pick the guy named Musket to be the starting quarterback, I don't even know what we're doing here. But right. that's an aside we can discuss when the time is right. This looks like a tough schedule to me. They open the year, quote-unquote, neutral site game in Nashville against Tennessee. They come back home to play James Madison, who was really good last year. They're at Maryland, NC State, at Boston College. They got a game in there against Bill and Mary, at North Carolina, at Miami, Georgia Tech, at Louisville, Duke, and Virginia Tech to close this thing out. This is a tough slate. I don't know how they're getting to four wins with this. Um, yeah, it, it's not ideal, especially early on with Virginia. Um, they get some of the winnables at home. And that's at least nice. If you're going to find it that, I don't know who JMU is sandwiched with. It's it's weird that we have to ask that question <laughs> with where Virginia's <laughs> offense was last year. Um, so I don't know. You can look up James Madison's schedule and who they have before and after Virginia. Because again, if we're searching for home wins, you got Bill and Mary, Georgia Tech, Duke, Virginia Tech. And then if they're going to steal something, I I don't know, man. I They have... So Virginia's that sandwich I mentioned. Virginia the two by two sandwich. Virginia for James Madison. In Miami. Yeah. Is is sort of the the bison burger. Oh, tell me how. Sandwich between uh Bucknell and Troy. Okay. I like it. Um it's it's tough. So like look, the actual winnable games, if all is on a neutral site maybe JMU, depending, because they're starting over. At a, I think Centeno Centeno's gone, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So starting over at quarterback, Maryland's going to be real tough on the road. NC State tough. At BC, Bill and Mary, could they steal? Who does North Carolina have? North Carolina has Miami right before Virginia. Okay, that's something. Um, North Carolina, I mentioned, has Miami before. Uh, I just... 
Georgia Tech has UNC and Clemson sandwiching it, so that's advantageous for the Hoos. Louisville has Virginia Tech and Miami sandwiching, so it's a look-ahead spot potentially for Louisville with Virginia. So situationally, they're not in the worst spot ever, but I don't know, whatever, musket or wolf folk, whatever, they got to be pretty good. So Virginia has to be a whoopee cushion, right? They just got to be able to slide into those situations to, to distract and confuse. Let's talk about Louisville, the oddest schedule in the country. Okay. This is an extremely bizarre setup. I'm sure it's happened before. Maybe I haven't been paying close enough attention to call it out before. Yeah. Louisville is listed as having five road games, but two of them are at neutral sites. They've got Georgia Tech in Atlanta Mm -hmm. on a Friday night. They've got Indiana in the Lucas Oil Stadium complex in Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. So five road games listed, two that are neutral siders technically, only three true road games. They've also got four games on either a Thursday or a Friday, which is wild. Nobody else in the ACC, I know they play some Thursday and Friday games. Nobody else in the ACC has that many that are not on Saturday. So the Georgia Tech game, the aforementioned Tech game is on a Friday. They've also got NC State on the road at NC State on a Friday. They play Virginia later in the year on a Thursday. And uh, week two, actually, I missed this one on the way through. Murray State yes, on a Thursday. The racers. the racers, yeah. So um, that none of that necessarily gives us any tell as to how this team is going to do, but there's just a weirdness quotient to Louisville, a weirdness quotient that I don't think we can overlook. Plus, they're bringing in the new coach. He's got deep Louisville ties. Uh, If you track what he did at Purdue, Purdue was there was a reason we called them the spoiler makers. They were they were plucky. They found a way to be in games. Mm -hmm. This over under here is seven and a half, which does require a little bit of a leap of faith if you're not in on Jack Plummer, Dan. Um, yeah. How do you, how do you feel about this schedule? Evan Conley still at Louisville. (laughs) That's totally true. I believe, I think so. Right. I don't know why I'm going down this path, but is Evan Conley still at Louisville? We need what we need to do. And we talked about, Oh no, hold on. It's I'm now saying Evan Conley will not sign with app state. I just looked at a, uh, a practice report. I don't know what's going on. I've just heard that name forever. Okay, sorry. I get easily distracted. I'm like a cat. Sorry. We, we do need to do the John Stocka All-Stars team. I know. We absolutely need we'll, to. We'll okay. do that at some point before the season starts. Continue. Okay. Schedule-wise, I think I'm a, like it kind of seems even to me just because it's back and forth, back and forth. It's the snip, snap, early, road home, road home, road home, and they're on the weekends. Um, Excuse me, weekdays. And the, the finish is interesting with at Miami and Kentucky. But they get Notre Dame, second straight road game after Duke, if I'm reading this correctly. They yep. get Miami in a letdown spot after Miami is at NC State and at Florida State. That stretch of at NC State, Notre Dame, at Pitt, that's rough. That's just rough. Um, I don't think expectations are going to be super high this year. Overall, I think they're going to be because of Brahms' ties to the program and to the city. But I think it's, I think it's just sort of like a toss-up. I think it's just sort of like take the good, take the bad, and it's sort of an, a, a down-the-middle type schedule. A little obla-di-obla-da schedule. Life goes yeah. on. Life goes on, and look, the, the weekday thing is is the wild card element to all of this. No. Syracuse, their over-under is six and a half, Dan. You may recall that Cuse won five in a row to start last season, and then they lost five in a row when they got to the meat of the schedule, yeah. and they were fighting for bowl eligibility. There is some Fettuccine Alfredo on the schedule between week five and week seven. 
And I think this is the toughest stretch of any team in the conference. They've got Clemson at home. The following week, they're on the road at North Carolina. The following week, they're on the road at Florida State before they're on by. Then actually, when they come back from by, they're on the road on a Thursday against Virginia Tech, which is not an easy place to play by any stretch of the imagination. Outside of that stretch, it feels workable. It feels workable to me. I, I feel fairly comfortable with that over-under number of, of six and a half. If they get to seven, it would represent a one-win improvement. I think they could go go higher than that. Um, I think Syracuse is a team that we need to pay attention to. There, There's enough room to grow on this schedule that I'm not going to do the crazy thing where I'm like, I see nine wins, but I could, I could almost see nine wins here. I could see eight wins rather comfortably for Syracuse, yeah. provided they continue running the offense that we saw later in the year, or I guess earlier in the year, where Garrett Schrader was really put in a situation to succeed. Yeah, the the difficulty with Syracuse and enjoying Syracuse football and being hopeful about Syracuse football is if you do like the old lost like previously on Syracuse, you could just run straight at this defensive line. Yeah. Like you could so simply destroy this Syracuse team on defense that again, I don't have the the list of guys that they've brought in or recruited or transferred in or something, but it's the like we talk about it with North Carolina. Like, okay, if Syracuse can get off the field, they're interesting. But it's so easy to stay on the field against this Syracuse front, or was at least last year. And that's the concern to me. That's the concern to me. And I don't know if you have Syracuse's exact numbers from last year. And maybe that doesn't matter this year. Schedule wise, it's fine. It's totally fine. These there are a lot of teams with uncertainty. You got what? You you went over the the schedule, but in terms of defenses that they play. There's a lot to like about where Wake, Georgia Tech, Boston College, UNC, Army, Western Michigan. Like, there's there's wins on this schedule. They it, it'd be disappointing if Syracuse did not go to a bowl this year yeah, with the schedule. I, that's I would, that's where I'm landing. I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. And while they were able to get a little bit of a pass rush last year, um, their numbers on third down, as you said, were not good. These were not good at getting off the field on on third downs. Um, they were, I love this number, 120th uh, against the rush against in terms the of rush. success rate. I was just looking but at the same thing. The back end tackled really well. They were third in preventing explosive rushes, but you know, you, five, six yards at a time. You could just get chunky. Their opportunity rate was 123. Uh, it was just, they, they stuffed nobody. Like it was just terrible. It was just terrible. And you could just go really simple against them and succeed. If you average out all the numbers and look at the more like zoomed out holistic right uh, profile for Syracuse last year, they profile as a very average team. Yeah, a very very average team. Which is why the, five and seven would be disappointing. Seven and yeah. five is fine. Eight and four is a great year. Georgia Tech four is the over under. I found myself asking, "Hey, if you gave Virginia Tech schedule to Georgia Tech, what would the over under be?" Because I'm enamored with Virginia Tech's schedule. Miss murder. <laughs> As you gave them uh, that moniker. So they miss a bunch of teams, is what you're saying. Miss a bunch of teams. Yeah. If if Georgia Tech had that schedule, the over-under might be six and a half. Okay. But we're here with four, with games against Clemson and Georgia, as well as North Carolina, Miami, Ole Miss, and Louisville. They've also got the rare letdown look ahead sandwich game for a team projected to have a losing record in mm-hmm. that they've got Syracuse at home in between Clemson and Georgia. Maybe the two biggest games on the on the tech slate. 
So this isn't this has been kind of a recurring theme for Georgia Tech over the last couple of seasons. They just they have Georgia at the end. They have Clemson team that's been kind of in its prime. There are other teams around the conference that are improving as well. Old Miss early on in the year, a non-conference game on the road. Right? It's a week before <laughs> Ole Miss travels to Bama, though. Even still. Yeah, this is a tough slate for Georgia yeah. Tech. And uh, I think this could be a team, frankly, that that maybe gets the three or four. And we come away saying, hey, Brent, he did a good job. It, it felt like they were a lot better than that record indicates. Yeah, and they were not terribly far away, even in losses last year. They were competitive. They won games. And it's just kind of nonstop, right? Getting Louisville to start, getting Miami and Ole Miss and Clemson all on the road and just annually having Georgia to punctuate their year, no matter how good or promising or interesting or feisty, it's still going to be Georgia to finish things out. And so you're not wrong with that point, but I, I think he's going to be given a little bit of, of space, even though he was the interim. And so now there's the expectation of being largely competitive. Um, he has he has the space to operate and, and prove some things. Final team, Boston College. Yes. Five and a half over under. We are not talking about a series of long haul road trips for the team that is located in the upper northeastern corridor of the ACC. No big trips to Miami or Florida State. The longest trip is to Atlanta in October for Georgia Tech. They've also got one to Louisville towards the end of September. But... Beyond that, I think the splits are okay. There is not a lot of defense on this schedule that really frightens me. Maybe the deeper we get into this thing, um, certainly Florida State in week three is going to present a challenge for Boston College. And Pitt on the road on a Thursday, week 12, Pitt always plays defense. Miami will play defense. But there's a lot here that I think is very gettable in the middle of the schedule. I would also throw this out. I love Evan Moorhead. Okay. I he's 6'5, he's 240. I'm calling him Capital M this year. I'm very excited to see what he can do with, with a full season's worth of work. Is it I, Evan or Emmett? I think it's Emmett. Emmett, right? what did I say? Evan? Yeah, I think you said Evan, but that's okay. I meant Emmett. You have Evan Conley on the mind. Yeah. Emmett Moorhead, Capital M, 6'5, yeah. 240. Played well in a limited run of games last season and um, provided they could surround him with some talent and get more out of their offense last year. Again, they had issues with injury last season. Um, I think six is doable with the schedule. <sighs> yeah, man, I've just been, I've been burned before. You <laughs> see love tie. <sighs> I don't know no, how listen, much more I listen. can take. Yeah. Okay. At Louisville, at army, at mm-hmm. Georgia tech, at Syracuse, at Pitt. Those are the road games. That's workable. Florida state at home. That is not workable. They're going to lose. But you want, game. yeah, but you want, see, I think with BC, you want the home games to be what you circle. The road is whatever, but you want, look, it's Virginia Tech, UConn, Virginia, Holy Cross, NIU, outside of that Florida State situation. It's not bad. No. No. There's a little bit of missed murder here, too. Right. So they, so BC misses Notre Dame, North Clemson, Carolina, Clemson, North Carolina. Yeah. Okay. They get it's Florida State, they get Miami. I'll tell you exactly what I have written down for BC in my notes. I have BC dash capital F I N E. It's fine. Yeah. Right. So they miss who they miss. Florida State's at home and it's the week before Florida State's at Clemson. And the ending is tough, albeit buffered. 
So if I have seen, if I had seen more from BC these past two years or something, then I'd be like, all right, but new starting quarterback, haven't been able to figure out offense, lose what? One of the best receivers in the country. Say flowers. Say flowers. So uh, I'm, I'm just wait and see. Like I, I I have to protect my heart here because (laughs) I've been, I've been too up on BC recently. Um, But yes, if Boston college has turned a corner internally, then schedule's fine. It's pretty good. Capital M. Emmett, don't call me Evan Moorhead. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. Write in solidverbal at gmail.com. Let us know what we got right, what we got wrong. We'll post episodes. We'll post clips out to our YouTube channel. Leave comments for us there. Certainly leave comments for us across social media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You know, the usual hotspots. We'd love to get your input. We've started now posting episodes out there for the last couple of weeks, as you know, last two weeks mm-hmm. or so, where we're going through schedules, getting some interesting feedback from folks. So we welcome all yeah. that feedback. We may disagree, but um, it's really early, and this is just a quick swipe at how we react to seeing these schedules as opposed to how we think a team will actually do because we've done exhaustive research. We haven't done that yet. We just mm-hmm. haven't had a chance to, and there's still, I think, time to actually figure that stuff out and get more info on on what coaches are seeing and practices and the like. So we will have time to do the proper previews, but this is just kind of setting the stage for that as we get into July and August. Um, yeah. We've got conferences to go. We've got Big 12. We've got Group of Five that we'll continue to discuss, but we'd love to hear your feedback. So let us know. Also, verballers.com is where you can go if you want yes. to further support what we do. Bonus content, access to Discord Early access to this episode, all of our episodes, you can watch us do some of them live. So it's a good deal if you're really into the verbal. We'd appreciate it if you help support what we do. Dan, uh, Big 12 coming up next. Big 12 next. Excited, obviously, because there's so much novel and new about the conference. And it'll be fun to sort of evaluate all these new matchups. May I ask you a question? Please. Are we good with the all-Costco conference? Quality I'm fine. I'm fine with that, actually. That's a great, great, great acronym. Yes. Yes, I have, you know, affirmation, you know, making me feel valid with my silliness, Ty. It's all I could ask for. For that guy over there, my good friend Dan Rubenstein. For myself, Ty Hildebrand. Thanks for joining along, playing along with our stupidity from the comfort of your home, car, gym, wherever. That's Dan Rubenstein. I'm Ty Hildebrand. Stay solid. Peace. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.